The Christmas season in Scotland carries a distinctive tradition, a time when the crackling warmth of festive hearts is complemented by the chill of ghostly tales. The long, dark nights and ancient traditions steeped in mysticism create an atmospheric backdrop for sharing tales of apparitions, supernatural encounters and mythical beings. Gathered around the hearth, Scots have historically woven ghost stories into their festive celebrations, adding an extra layer of intrigue to the Yuletide season. This fusion of mirth and mystery creates a unique Scottish Christmas experience, one where the glow of holiday lights coexists with the shadowy presence of folklore, making each festive gathering a journey into the haunted corners of Scottish history and imagination. But did you know that in Scotland Christmas was once banned? When Scotland split from the Catholic Papacy in the 16th century, winter holiday festivities started to become controversial. At this time, a period known as the Scottish Reformation, Christmas was considered extravagant and largely associated with Catholicism. The prevailing Protestant views adopted during the Reformation gradually led to the outright prohibition of Christmas. In 1640, the Scottish Parliament enacted a law criminalising the celebration of Christmas, subjecting offenders to imprisonment. The ban extended to popular traditions like enjoying Yule bread and indulging in mincemeat pies, making these once cherished festivities unlawful. The suppression of Christmas celebrations during this period set the stage for unique and alternative characters to emerge, embodying the darker side of the festive season. One such figure, deeply rooted in Scottish folklore, is Scotland's very own version of Krampus, a mythical creature associated with the darker aspects of the holiday season. Not only does Scotland have a plethora of myths and legends associated with the festive season, it also has its fair share of hauntings, and in this episode, I'll bring you four spooky tales about three haunted buildings, with two creepy castles, and a story about Crom de Vanyalig. Leith Hall, a historic mansion situated near Kennethmont in Aberdeenshire, boasts a captivating and intricate past. The construction of Leith Hall dates back to 1650, when it was commissioned by James Leith, a member of the local gentry. The current structure was built on the site of the ancient Pull Castle, built in medieval times. The hall underwent several expansions and renovations over the centuries, with notable additions made in the 18th century. The hall itself is a fine example of Scottish architecture, featuring a blend of styles from different periods. Throughout its history, Leith Hall witnessed the changing fortunes and societal shifts of the times. The estates passed through generations of the Leith family until the mid-20th century, when, in 1945, the last laird, Henrietta Leith Hay, bequeathed Leith Hall to the National Trust for Scotland. Little did she know, in entrusting Leith Hall to the National Trust, Henrietta may also have left the estate with some spectral companions from its historic past. On the 21st of December 1763, Laird John Leith III was mortally wounded when he was shot in the head at a festive gathering, when he responded angrily to another diner who accused him of tampering with the grain sold from the hall. The shot didn't kill him instantly, and he held on until Christmas Day, when he eventually succumbed to his dreadful wound. 
In the years that followed, the apparition of a large, well-built man, moaning in pain with a blood-stained bandage covering his head and eyes, has been seen regularly. Perhaps his most famous display happened in 1968, when the American author Elizabeth Byrd, famous for writing Immortal Queen about Mary Queen of Scots, stayed at the hall. Elizabeth saw the Laird's apparition one evening. When describing what she encountered, she insisted it wasn't a mere apparition. It felt tangible, as if a living, breathing man stood before her. The presence seemed purposeful, not menacing or malevolent, but a silent proclamation of existence within Leith Hall. In a burst of courage, she cried, Go away! Go away! Surprisingly, the figure hesitated, took a step backward, and then vanished towards a window behind a dressing table. After this encounter, her dog, called Strongheart, would go nowhere near the room where she had seen the figure. Elizabeth Bird chronicled a haunting tale in her book, A Strange and Seeing Time, recounting the eerie period when she and her husband leased the east wing of Leith Hall after their marriage in 1966. Among the peculiarities, and perhaps the most unusual, a painting titled Flight into Egypt, featuring Joseph, Mary and a donkey, Elizabeth claimed to see a massive man with a thick black beard standing within the painting, an apparition invisible to others, defying detection even when she pointed it out. Occupying 14 rooms, they soon found themselves in the company of many spectral inhabitants. A Victorian lady materialised in the Leith bedroom, often making daytime appearances. Mysterious shuffling, akin to a child or a puppy, echoed from the third floor, often accompanied by slamming doors on windless summer days. Poltergeist activity often manifested. On one occasion, a sherry bottle was hurled and shattered against a wall. A standing lamp crashed in the study and a heavy metal pot cover was lifted and thrown across the kitchen floor. Elizabeth and her husband were not mere observers, they felt watched, sensing the unseen presence of others sharing their space. The master bedroom on the second floor in particular exuded an unsettling atmosphere. Several guests expressed fear of a creepy presence on the formidable bed in the bedroom. Even Elizabeth's husband, Barry, a well-known non-believer noted an overwhelming threat and presence within the room. Pencate Castle is an old but much altered tower house built in the 1500s. The castle comprises an elongated main block of two storeys and a garret, augmented by small projecting wings at each end. Pencate features a central round stair tower on one side, and the east wing proudly displays the date of construction, 1628, contributing to the castle's historical character and architectural significance. There's also a music room within the castle's stone keep. On a crisp Christmas night in 1923, the festive cheer echoed through the music room as family and friends gathered for a spirited session of carol singing. The atmosphere was merry, with the warmth of shared melodies filling the air. However, the joyous occasion took an unexpected turn when a carved wooden family crest 
proudly displayed on the wall, decided to make its presence known. To the astonishment of everyone in the room, the crest creaked and slowly pivoted forward before detaching itself from the wall. A pregnant pause hung in the air before the crest, defying the laws of physics and logic, smoothly returned to its original position. The room, once filled with harmonious carols, now held an unspoken question. What was the mysterious force that had stirred on that remarkable Christmas night? Our next story occurred in Abothi. Abothi is a remote, old, uninhabited croft or cottage that's now used as a temporary shelter for travellers or hillwalkers to bunk for an evening. This Bothy, called Louisbelt, stood on the watershed of Glen Nevis, near Fort William, and was once used by deer stalkers as accommodation. Louisbelt, once a popular spot for deer stalking, had lain empty for several years before two ramblers chose it as their shelter for the night during Christmas 1973. That day, Phil McNeil and his friend Jimmy Dunn travelled from Glasgow for a much-needed walk in the Loch Aber Hills, using Louisbelt as their temporary base while they climbed. Arriving to find the door locked and the building seemingly vacant, they set about exploring the snow-covered landscape before returning to the eerily abandoned building before darkness fell. Inside, they discovered a table set for Christmas dinner, untouched Christmas crackers and signs of a hasty departure. Thinking nothing of it, they did their best to put it out of their mind. After all, it was likely just a group of hillwalkers who'd had a change of plan and left. Before settling in for the night, Phil and Jimmy decided to explore the once proud house. Surveying the premises, the climbers observed that every room was equipped and seemed to have been recently used, with one exception, a bedroom situated directly above the living room. In the small room, they found a disassembled metal bed frame leaning against a wall and a window adorned with open curtains. Perched on the windowsill, a sizeable stone caught their attention. A wee bit perplexed by the find, the two men decided it was too late to dwell on it further and headed back downstairs before turning in for the night. The cold and palpable silence became the backdrop to unexplained sounds. Almost the minute we blew out our candle, there were noises upstairs, Phil said. The first thing they heard were footsteps walking across the wooden floorboards. Then, they heard what they described as the sounds of the metal bed frame from the untouched bedroom being put back together. Next, the unmistakable noise of the strange rock from the windowsill rolling across the same floorboards they'd previously heard footsteps. Eventually, and unbelievably, they managed to fall asleep. But Phil was woken at 4am to the sounds of chaos when the room next to theirs erupted with the sounds of objects being thrown all over the place leaving Phil petrified. The room lapsed into silence once more, and Phil attempted to illuminate the darkness by lighting a candle, only to have it forcefully sent flying across the room. Soon after, the echoes of footsteps returned, this time resonating like heavy stomps descending a spiral staircase from the upper floor to the closed door of the living room. 
Armed with his ice axe, Phil hastily swung open the door, revealing an empty space. There was no one there. Convinced that an unseen presence lingered, the climbers opted for a swift retreat through the opened window. As they directed their head torches towards the upstairs bedroom window, Phil noted that the curtains, once opened, were now tightly drawn. This was the final straw. The men, terrified, hastily packed, and hurriedly fled towards the safety of Kinloch Leven. In the late 1800s, the original Tay Rail Bridge, a marvel of Victorian engineering, was constructed to span the Firth of Tay, connecting the city of Dundee with Fife. The bridge, designed by renowned engineer Sir Thomas Bouch, featured innovative design elements such as lattice girders and cast iron columns. Construction began in 1871 and the bridge was completed in 1878, standing proud as a testament to Victorian engineering prowess. Tragically, disaster struck on the stormy night of December 28, 1879, when a train travelling across the bridge was caught in a severe storm. The high winds, coupled with unknown structural vulnerabilities, led to the collapse of a central section of the bridge sending the train and its passengers plummeting into the icy waters below. 75 people were lost to the bitterly cold waters that day, and the impact of that loss can still be felt in modern times. Eight years later, the new Tay Rail Bridge was officially opened on June 20th, 1887, the route of which closely mirrors the ruins of the old structure. On some years, as the anniversary of the Tay Rail Bridge disaster looms, a haunting spectacle unfolds near the remnants of the ill-fated bridge. Witnesses claim that on this sombre night, a spectral train materialises along phantom tracks, mirroring the path of its historic counterpart. This ghostly locomotive, adorned with an eerie glow, traces the route that once led to tragedy. As the ghostly train advances, a chorus of anguished screams resonate through the air, echoing the terrified cries of the passengers who perished on that chilling night in 1879. Those who've witnessed this heartbreaking encounter tell of the ghostly train vanishing into the darkness of the abyss below, disappearing under the waves, just as it did almost 150 years ago, recreating the moment and the carriage is plunged into the dark depths of the River Tay. As we round up this chilling collection of festive hauntings, I want to leave you with a cautionary tale. Amidst the echoes of ancient traditions and holiday cheer, I hope this serves as a reminder that, regardless of the supernatural, the essence of the season lies in embracing kindness and compassion. So, as the winter winds whisper through the silent nights, let this tale encourage you to uphold the virtues of goodwill, for sometimes the truest hauntings are the echoes of missed opportunities to be a beacon of light in the darkness. Many years ago on the ancient island of Islay, where the winter nights cast long shadows over the moors, and the sea whispers tales of bygone legends, lived a young lass named Ailey. Known throughout the island for her mischievous antics, 
she had become the subject of cautionary tales spun by village elders. Convinced her behaviour would be her undoing, they told the other children of the island that Ailey would one day be visited by Crom de Vanyalig, the dark, crooked one of Christmas. Crom de Vanyalig is a mysterious figure from Scottish folklore who emerges during the winter season. He's said to travel across the islands of the Inner Hebrides on cold, dark nights, especially on Christmas Eve, seeking out mischievous or disobedient children. His appearance is both fearsome and elusive, and he's often depicted as a figure clad in tattered robes, crowned with twisted antlers, reminiscent of ancient Celtic symbolism. As Christmas Eve unfolded in the quaint cottage nestled amidst the heather-covered hills, young Ailey, who didn't believe in the legends that loomed in the island's shadows, settled down to sleep. A few hours passed before Ailey was awoken by the distant sound of wind howling through the nearby trees. But this was no ordinary wind. This wind had an utterly unearthly quality to it, as if it was made up of the sound of countless voices wailing and crying out in pain, and the sound was getting closer. The noise of the wind built up to a crescendo, battering against the window of a room before suddenly stopping. Thinking the storm had passed, she lay back down in her bed and prepared to go back to sleep. Looking towards the fireplace one last time, she saw that the embers in the hearth cast a warm glow across the room. But, horrifyingly, they also revealed the outline of a tall silhouette standing at the foot of her bed. The realisation struck her that the village elders' stories were true, that Krom Davan Yalek was real and was standing at the foot of her bed. Krom Davan Yalek surveyed the room with eyes that seemed to absorb the very darkness around him. He raised a long, gnarled finger pointing directly at the child, and in an instant the room hushed into an eerie silence and the air grew thick with anticipation. The horrifying creature produced a shimmering black bag laden with ancient symbols and etchings, an artefact said to hold the power to reveal the essence of one's deeds. As the bag lowered, whispers of ancestral Gallic incantations echoed through the room. The figure peered into the depths of the bag with an intensity that sent shivers down the young girl's spine. The room held its breath as the bag unveiled its secrets. Visions of Ailey's mischievous exploits and playful disobedience played out like ghostly apparitions. The tales of the elders, once dismissed as mere superstition, materialised before her in haunting detail. The air crackled with an otherworldly energy and the bag pulsed with a rhythmic cadence, a supernatural echo of judgement. In the cold embrace of the Ailey night, the encounter unfolded a dance between the living and the spectral. As the first rays of Christmas dawn broke over the ancient landscape, Elia awoke to find herself alone in the room, the embers in the hearth fading to a gentle glow. Whether a dream or a visitation from the legendary creature, the tale of that fateful Christmas Eve lingered in the air, a whispered reminder of the island's mystical traditions. And as the years rolled on, the memory of the spectral figure became woven into the fabric of Eilie's folklore. 
as we draw the curtain on these haunting tales from the heart of Scotland, the echoes of ancient traditions and spectral encounters linger in the winter air. From the grand halls of Leith Hall to the mysterious Bothy in Glen Nevis, each story carries a piece of Scottish history wrapped in the shroud of the supernatural. As the Yuletide season unfolds its magic, may these tales serve as a reminder to embrace the warmth of goodwill and compassion. In the silent nights and flickering hearts, let us be mindful of the spirits that reside in the stories passed down through generations. I just want to take a moment to thank all of you who've watched, liked, commented and subscribed. You've made 2023 a wonderfully strange, happy and exciting year for me. Thank you. Wishing everyone a Merry Christmas filled with joy and may the new year bring happiness and new chapters yet to be written. Lang may your lum reek.